It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait. Can't, 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 can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. I think there's always going to be drop off, especially when you lose a, a NFL caliber type of quarterback in his, you know, has tons of experience under his belt. And so, but it's not like you're just dropping off two guys that have never been on the field. So we have guys that, that in Baylor and Jaron that have played in games and have started in games. And so that's a little bit different than, than what you normally would see when, when there's no experience behind, uh, behind the QB. But, and then Jacob's just a, he's different in the way that he learns. He's a, he's an accelerated rate in, in the way that he learns and the way that he performs and he's extremely confident. So that's why all three of those guys are in the mix. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end wow. zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. Oh, a parachute over the shoulder. Come on. And here goes Wilson. He's to the 10. To the 5. Stretching it for the goal line. Give him 6. Jake Oldroyd will split the uprights. And it's an early BYU lead. 7 to nothing. Zach Wilson marches him down the field. 87 yards in 5 plays. Downfield. Gunnar Romney makes the catch. And if he got away from Tariq Woolen, it wouldn't have been a touchdown, but a gain of 52 nonetheless. Yeah, it could be hard because there's not just one or two guys out there that are the mismatches, essentially. You know, you look around the offense and that's everyone. I mean, it's nice to know that at every position you got a guy that's going to win their job on that play. Milne in motion, handoff Algier, nice cut to the end zone, touchdown. Second goal inside the one, now empty for Wilson, under center. Score. We ready to play. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, but we ready to play. I'll put it that way. We have no shortage of leadership on this team. This feels a lot like the 19 team in a lot of regards. On third and eight, Huntley looks to throw. Out of the backfield, it's Moss. One man to beat. With a stiff arm, he does. Touchdown, Utah. Zach Moss stiff arming at a full on Unofocio for a touchdown on third down. Third down and six. They rush three, bring an extra man late. Huntley down the sideline. Sampson Nakua. They make another play. It's another source. Nakua's first catch. Um, I would say we've grown closer together. We understand. We understand, you know, how to, you know, how certain things motivate one another. And I think that um, kind of hurt, you know, as far as you know, a lot of the ones being out, you know, that same camaraderie. Um, you know, even just talking with some of the guys that were in. Um, um, you know, just that camaraderie, being together on the field, understanding where to be, communication, all that type of stuff. Motion, Isaiah Hodgins. And a screen for Tyshawn Lindsey is tipped and intercepted. Utah comes away with it. Devin Lloyd down the field. Devin Lloyd headed for the end. 
touchdown on the season. Such a great drive that Oregon State had going. But here Jake Luton, bad pass deflected into the air. And a convoy of youths leading him all the way for the touchdown. I try and watch more film than any player in the country. And I feel like that gives me the edge mentally when I go out there. And I think that's what the secondary needs to do because they have all the physical gifts. I mean, you've ever seen JT Broughton run a 40-yard dash, he'll be blown away. He's got all the physical gifts. It's just the mindset and understanding your opponent that I think you only got to play four or five games last year. Um, understand how that gives you a bigger edge than anything physical, in my opinion. Pocket holds up. Bentley with time has a man wide open. It's coming. Watch out of speed. You got your man. There he goes. Touchdown, Utah. Hayner, as the snow begins to fall once again here at Maverick Stadium in shotgun. Rivers to his left. Hand off to Rivers, going to the out. Oh, nope, Hayner's going to keep it himself. Throws the end zone, intercepted. First turnover of the year for Utah State. And bring it out to the 14-yard line. What a great play by Utah State. Shaq Vaughn coming up with the pick. Scarver's going to take the ball to the six-yard line. Let's see if he can make something happen. To the 25, to the 35, and he's gone. Here we go. Save on Scarver to the 50, 10, 5. You got it. Touchdown, Utah State. Holy smokes! First and ten, they're gonna throw the ball. And they're gonna throw the ball deep. Post pattern at the goal line. Caught! Touchdown, Aggies! Wow! We talked about it at the start of the game that the Aggies were gonna take some deep shots. A perfect ball to Justin McGriff on the post route from Andrew Peasley into the end zone. Touchdown, Utah State! What a beautiful throw from Andrew Peasley. McGriff ran underneath it, made the catch in the end zone for the score. Oh, welcome into the Saturday show. Quite the montage there put together by Eric, as always. I'm Jake. That across from me is Alex Lundberg. This is the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Lundy, what is up? Well, you know, I'm, I'm about ready to run through a brick wall after hearing all those highlights and stuff. It's college football season, yeah, basically, for all intents and purposes. We are exactly one week away from week zero kicking off the college football season. Uh, five games, I think, on the docket next week, and obviously the week after that. It'll be a full slate of games. Looking forward to that. But we are live today in Bountiful. Yeah. We, haven't been, we haven't been on location since we restarted the show after the – well, pandemic's still going, but after we got to resume the show yeah. during the pandemic. Oh, yeah, this is the first time I've been, you know – in the headset on the air as far as like these remotes go and i'm i'm this is really cool like yeah the well let's explain where we're at so today we are actually live in bountiful we are at uh the bountiful fourth north park if you guys know where bountiful junior high school is at uh we're right next door to it they're having what they're they call their car coats for kids car show here it's put on by the bountiful rotary club and I got to tell you, Alex, I was wandering around a little bit. There's some pretty sweet vehicles sitting here. I, that's that's almost, you know, an understatement. Like, yeah. these are super, super cool. And, you know, a lot of them have their, their hoods popped so you can kind of see under there. I have no idea what's going on. Under the, <laughs> like, I mean, that's all just completely foreign to me, but it doesn't mean that I can't appreciate it. Sure. Because it just it looks awesome. Well, they're, yeah, these people, these vehicles they've got here, they've put a, 
they've put literally their heart and soul and a whole lot of money into restoring a lot of these classics that are sitting out here. And so if you guys want to stop by, we'll be live from 12 to 2 today uh, here in, like I said, the Bountiful North Park. It's 400 North, 200 West in Bountiful. And come out check out the cars, honestly. They are absolutely phenomenal. And the funny thing is they're classics. They're current vehicles. They've got just incredible selection. So no matter what your interest is in cars, I think they've probably got one or two that you can check out at least. I mean, there's a, there's a sweet Vita van right next to yeah. us. Volkswagen bus just right across from us. You can see a Jeep Wagoneer. There's a couple Ford Broncos. We've got the Mustangs kind of all lined up right here in front of us as well. But come on by. Stop by. We'd love to see you guys. Johnny here with us. Obviously, our on-site tech. Eric back in the studios there at Vivint Arena helping us out, spinning the ones and twos, as it were. And big thank you to all of you for joining us here on this edition of the Saturday Show. And, Lundy, as we typically do on Saturdays, let's talk about the biggest stories. We have. We call it What's the Big Deal? So let's start off and talk a little Utah Jazz basketball. So, yeah, the Utah Jazz just dropped their uh, their schedule. You know, we're a uh, little over a month out. Yeah, October and, uh, 4th, right, is the first preseason October game. October 4th is when preseason starts. They'll have four preseason games, and then we're right into the thick of things. It seems like we just wrapped up, and I'm excited to get going again. Yeah, so you obviously have a very integral role with Utah Jazz Broadcast because you are the executive producer of Utah Jazz Radio, the games that we broadcast on your exclusive radio home with the Jazz here on The Zone. So the schedule drops yesterday. It's a full 82-game slate. Uh, officially, the season will open on October 20th as the Jazz welcome the Oklahoma City Thunder to Vivint Arena. Just give me kind of your all sense of how you think the schedule lays out for the Jazz. I think the schedule's interesting. I think there were, what, it, was it 13 back-to-backs? 13 back-to-backs in the schedule, correct. Um, you know, longest homestand is six games, longest road stand is six games. I think it's, you know, pretty decent schedule for the Jazz. I think that, you know, the Jazz, one of the things that stands out the most to me, and this was actually announced before the full schedule was dropped, but it shows that the Jazz are expected to be contenders again, I think. The fact that the Jazz got scheduled the nightcap on Christmas Day. Yeah. Uh, Luca and the Mavs coming to Salt Lake City, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a big deal. Like, not just playing on Christmas, but hosting on Christmas. Uh, nationally televised game with one of the biggest all-stars in, in the world, Luka Doncic, coming in. And so that's going to be a lot of fun. I think that this schedule, and with the, the moves that the Jazz have made in the offseason, this schedule is going to be a lot of fun. I think that Jazz fans should have a lot to look forward to and a lot to be excited about. Yeah, that's the hope. I think that's the, the thing is you look at the schedule, and yes, the national, uh, rep, I guess the national reputation of the Utah Jazz, there's a lot of people who say that the NBA likes to ignore Utah, but when you're as good as the Jazz have been, you don't get ignored. So there are 10 teams that play on Christmas Day, and that's usually kind of a mark of, okay, these are, in most people's eyes, the 10 real good teams, but you always have to acknowledge like Boston this year may not be as good as they have been in the past we'll see though but they're going to be on national TV because they happen to be on the eastern seaboard yeah so but the nice part is that you mentioned the Utah Jazz getting that respect factor being able to host Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks on Christmas night the Jazz will be represented on holidays pretty heavily this year they're going to play New Year's Eve against Minnesota New Year's Day against Golden State and by the way I saw it pointed out the whole hashtag nightlife thing that popped up a yeah. few years ago the fact that <laughs> Golden State's going to have to spend New Year's Eve in Utah they're there's just something perfect about that. It's poetic justice. Yeah, it really is. And then the other uh, holiday game, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a very big day in the NBA. Uh, the Jazz will actually be playing at the Los Angeles Lakers. So actually a really, really big matchup there on MLK Day. Yeah. So it's, man, 
I'm just like I mean it consumes a lot of my life you know it's sure uh, I'm too busy to breathe most of the time during jazz season but it's the kind of thing where like I'm kind of itching to get going already like I you know I wouldn't mind if it was the same time as like I'd probably mind a little bit if it overlapped with college football too much sure but in the same way that college football starts next week mm-hmm. and I'm really excited for that I'm looking forward to the jazz season starting like I'm actually really like excited and kind of like all right come on let's go let's go let's go let's get there yeah it's coming quick folks so you don't have to wait too long for the Utah Jazz to get back into action uh one thing I also wanted to point out on this uh, Lundy is with this schedule so the 13 back-to-backs obviously back-to-backs have become a bigger issue and I do have a question mark with those 13 back-to-backs and how they will treat guys like Mike Conley Joe Ingles the Utah Jazz roster is getting up there they yeah. uh Boyan Bogdanovich is over the age of 30 I do wonder this year if there will be a change in how the Utah Jazz approach uh, playing time and or uh, load management, if you will, with regards especially to those back-to-back sets that they're going to face. Yeah, you know, and we saw that a lot last year where on the back-to-backs Mike Conley only ever played one at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, By and large. Every so often he would play both. Yeah, and, you know, when he was injured he played neither. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, no, I do think we're going to see – some of that gets switched up. We're going to see, you know, players held out because, honestly, you know, we saw the effect of those players playing most of the games last year where towards the end of the season, Mike Conley's hamstring went out again, Donovan's ankle. I mean, you know, the wear and tear got to the Jazz, and that was one of the big reasons. It's not the only reason, but it's one of the big reasons why they faltered in the playoffs and why they lost that series the way they did to the Clippers and so I think we're going to see the Jazz try to be a little bit more strategic about this um, I wouldn't be surprised to see more than just Mike Conley only playing one of two in a back-to-back yeah I, I'm with you on that I just I look at it and I think that's probably going to be the mindset with this we want to get these guys to the postseason healthy because we saw the Jazz make the postseason obviously they're the number one seed in the Western Conference but the injuries that that popped up towards the end of the season, especially in the case of Mike Conley, the hamstring issue, and then Donovan Mitchell, that ankle, well, that I all but seal, I think, the Utah Jazz fate in terms of their chances to advance. Uh, one other note here is the Clippers, who knocked the Jazz out of the playoffs, they will actually uh, only get three games against both the Lakers and the Clippers this year. It's with the Western teams that the Jazz only faced three times are the two teams from L.A., I saw some people say, well, that's lucky, and other people say, oh, I wanted them four times. Where do you sit on that? Uh, you know, that's that's a good question because I don't know exactly where I sit on that. Because, I mean, I see the benefit to playing them four times where you get a little bit more familiar. It makes it easier to – but also, you know, the benefit to playing them only three times is that they only play the Jazz three times. You know, mm-hmm. they don't have as much time or experience to figure the Jazz out. You know, and obviously you want to beat them more. And, you know, it's just – it's one of those things that – it's, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I get strategically why you wouldn't want to play them. Uh, I mean, those games will probably be really fun, and so why wouldn't we want more of them? Like, I, I see the pros and cons to each side, so I, I'm, I'm kind of split on it. I don't, I don't fully have a, a fully developed opinion yet. <laughs> we'll see where I'm at as the season goes on, and if, you know, if the three games are each just absolute can't miss, you know, some of those games that just go down in everybody's memory is that was one of the best games I've ever seen. If we get all of, you know, 
those kinds of things, then obviously I'm going to be like, man, I wish they were playing a fourth time. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I do like the fact, and I'm just looking at the schedule here, they start the season at home against Oklahoma City. You make a quick trip to Sacramento, and then you're back home to face Denver uh, in your second home game on October 26th. Then you go back east uh, for three games set and then come home against Sacramento again, and then you're back on the road. The nice part is I think the Jazz schedule lays out fairly uh good in terms of the road trips yes there's one six game road trip in there and it's actually late in the season which is a little bit of a surprise most of the time the jazz seem to take that eastern conference really big road swing usually seems to come in december or something like that yeah. it's gonna be later in the season but overall there are i think two other five game road trips yeah there are two others i see there there's a four game road trip but also there are two six game homestands so the layout of the schedule sure you're never gonna get a perfect where it's home away home away or all home, all you're never gonna get that perfect setup. But I actually like how things are fairly balanced this year for the Jazz. Yeah, no, I, and I think that that helps when it's more balanced because you know it it gets you a little bit more consistency where you don't have just such a radical shift from okay, we've played at home now for you know almost two weeks. Yeah. And suddenly we have to go on the road, um, or vice versa. You know, we've been gone for almost two weeks. We're tired. We're you know, all we want to do is take a little bit of a break, get settled back into our own house, but got to go play another game. You know, it it does help when it's balanced, I would imagine, you know, in a, from a mentality standpoint, just giving you consistency, giving you the ability to just settle in and go, go do what you need to do. Yeah, down the stretch is going to be interesting. So looking at it, so starting on March 31st, the, so actually, excuse me, I'm going to back up just a little bit. March 29th, the Jazz will finish up a five-game, their six-game road trip will be finish up in L.A. against the Clippers. Then you come home to face the Lakers. You go to Golden State. Then you have a three-game set, Memphis, Oklahoma City, Phoenix, and then finish the season in Portland. That home stretch right there actually is very interesting because obviously that time of year is when you start to see the playoff seating set to right. begin to settle. Very important, I think, three games there. Memphis, Oklahoma City, Phoenix in particular. The Jazz either could say, okay, you know what, we want to position ourselves in terms of where we want to be seated, or you just say, okay, we're pushing potentially for a number one seed. Let's go knock it out and take that number one seed back for the second straight year. It'll be interesting to see how, how they decide to approach that as that comes. Yeah, it, it has been interesting. Like, I mean, this past season, well, even in the bubble, you know, with, yeah. the, with the addition of that play-in tournament, it has kind of turned it from a checkers game into a chess game yeah. where people are starting to play, you know, okay, well, actually let's lose this so that we get a, a matchup that we like where the play-in tournaments, they, you know, those teams don't really have that luxury, which I I love the play-in tournament for that reason. It, it keeps things interesting later in the season. You know, it, it de-incentivizes tanking. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, like the teams that are, have no shot at it, they're going to try to lose to help their lottery status. But – we get we get less of that on the lower end. Yeah. And we get we actually get kind of more of it at the upper end just to see how that that shuffles around. Um, but I mean Phoenix, you know, they they're returning Chris Paul, they're returning a lot of those key pieces. Sure. Uh, so you know, I expect them to be in play. Yeah. Um, the Lakers, you know, the Clippers obviously, the both the LA teams, Golden State will likely be there again just by virtue of Steph Curry alone. Well, yeah, Steph Curry's going to drag them back in the hopes that Clay Thompson finally enjoys the help the season for the first time in, what, three years? Something like that. Just, yeah. I mean, knock on wood because, you know, he's one of the more fun players. You know, yeah. 
when it's Steph Curry alone, it's fun. But when you get both of the Splash Brothers, it's it's a lot more fun. You know, so you want to see that. Uh, hate to see a guy go down with injuries like what he's had. Sure. Um, but yeah, we just get that stretch where it'll be interesting to see if the Jazz are trying to position themselves with wins or losses. All of those teams will be doing that as well. So it's gonna we're gonna be talking a lot about that when it comes around and playing out every single possible scenario that you know. Okay, here's the five different teams that the Jazz could end up playing when they get to the playoffs. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. It's it's going to be a fun season. I'm excited for it. I'm with you. I kind of want to just see it play out. David Locke made an interesting point to DJ and PK just the other day saying that he thinks there could be seven Western Conference teams who go 50 wins. But that's going to flatten things out. He, says he, doesn't, he doesn't think there's going to be a 60-win team in the Western Conference. Seven of the eight playoff teams winning 50 games, that's going to show how much parity there is in that conference in particular. And, we, of course, we have the defending champions. They're in the east in, in Milwaukee. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the west has been tough for a long time. And I mean, look at this past year's play. I mean, you know, LeBron got bounced pretty early. Yep. And, you know, this is what? He's been in L.A. now three seasons. This is his fourth, right? Yes, he'll be his fourth coming yeah. up, I believe. Yeah, and you're right. In that, you know, when he was in the East Eastern Conference, how many years in a row was it that he took his team to the finals? Right, he had just that ridiculously long streak of finals appearances. He didn't win as much as he lost in the finals, but he got to the finals a, a ton. Now he comes to the West, you know, and first season he doesn't make the playoffs at all. Mm -hmm. Second season he wins the championship in the bubble. Sure. Third season, early exit. Yeah, injuries obviously playing a role in right. that. But still, it, it. I mean, LeBron took some of the worst teams that have ever, ever been assembled in the NBA to the finals by himself. Yep. And he comes to the Western Conference and can't get out of the first round. You know, like, that's just it, – it, it shows that, yes, injuries are a thing. Injuries do impact. But what he was able to do – and age as well. I mean, we've got to take that into consideration. He's a lot older than he was when he was taking – those Cleveland teams to the finals but it really is a testament to how tough the West Conference is because there's just there's so many teams I mean look at who everybody was predicting out of the West that could make a finals appearance and who actually made it to the finals Phoenix was the one that got there and I don't think that very many people would argue that Phoenix wasn't a good team or wasn't deserving of that finals appearance yeah I'm sure there are some that would argue that but in my opinion you know it's the Lakers could have been there. The Clippers could have been there. You know, the Jazz could have been there. But it was Phoenix because there's just that much parity, that much talent in the West. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. It's going to be a fun year. There's no doubt about that. And the season, it's. I look at the schedule every time it comes out. I'm like, wow. It goes all like, – because it's just it looks so big. You look at those 82 yeah. games. It stretches across <laughs> seven months, it feels like. Yep. But – it's funny enough, by the time the season ends, it feels like it just flew by oh, it, in many yeah. ways. And I know in your world, it's very much that way because you're going literally a game-by-game -game basis because you're producing all that stuff. But looking forward to it. I uh, meant to get to college football here, obviously, in what's the big deal, but spend a little extra time on the Jazz, and there's never a bad thing about that. So how about this? Coming up next, we'll talk a little bit about Week Zero, upcoming college football season, just the fact that we have that coming. Uh, later on on today's show, we are planning on carrying BYU football availability after their scrimmage live from Provo. 
Uh, obviously, them doing that on Zoom. We have people up in Utah as well, hoping to have them send us audio that we'll be able to play on the air as well. Later on, we'll also get to Saki, 60 and 60 recap. And Eric has a new uh, feature we want to debut on today's show as well. So plenty to get to. We'll get to all of it ahead. You're listening to the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. BYU Media Availability actually getting started a little early today, so we're going to go right down to it. Aaron Roderick, BYU Offensive Coordinator, addressing the media. Here you go. And um, then we kind of picked it up after the second or third series. We kind of got it going, but we can't start slow, and that was kind of a downer. Uh, but then we, we made some really good plays later in the scrimmage, and, you know, when we get our best 11, you know, we've got – a little more than 11 because we've got a good group of skilled players, but we get our best 11 players on the field. I think we're pretty hard to stop. And um, we did some really good things. The tough part about the scrimmage is we don't need to see Tyler Algier get tackled. And so um, when the, you know, when we we're just, we're not tackling to the ground when the first team is up. So a big part of our offense is his ability to break tackles, run through arm tackles. We've seen it a lot of times, and and in the scrimmages, you know, you hand him the ball, they tag you for a two yard, you get two yard gain. When, and a lot of times, he would break those tackles or make somebody miss, and uh, so you're a little behind the chain sometimes in the scrimmages. So that's that's part of it, but uh, it's it was good work for us anyway. It's good to be in difficult situations and good good to go against a really good defense. Any other questions? Jay, go ahead. I'll, I'll ask another one. Are you, how do you feel like, are you on track at, at this point in camp? Do you, do you like where you're at or are maybe a little behind, a little ahead? Uh, I, I like where we're at. Yeah, we're, we're in good shape. We got a lot of work to do, though. We can't, we don't, we don't, we can't take any, uh, any days off at all. We got to be, we got to keep progressing. We still have a lot of work to do, but I feel good about where we are. And I like our team. Um, we've got some some good skill players. We got a good offensive line and, and um, the quarterback position is, is starting to become more clear. Uh, and so I really like this team a lot. I think very optimistic. We just, we just got to keep our edge though. You know, we got to keep working and keep, keep getting better every day. Uh, practices next week are, are huge. We got to keep progressing. Can't take a step back on Monday. Which players maybe caught your eye or turned heads today kind of stood out? Uh, Hobbs Nyberg had a really good day. Yeah, he he did some good things, and he's proving uh, to be a good offensive player. You know, last year he, like, I didn't even know who the guy was, and all of a sudden he was in a game catching a punt. <laughs> and uh, I mean, literally, like, I he and then um, and he became our full time punt returner and did a great job. And then this spring he started proving to us that he could play receiver. And then he had a good good scrimmage today to the point where he's in the mix. You know, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised at all if if uh, we see him playing some receiver in games this year as well as being our punt returner. Coach, to uh, to build off that question, is there anyone who has um, since day one really made a lot of significant process uh, progress from where they began uh, that's caught your eye? Well, um, you know, I mean. Our obvious guys, I mean, like you, I could mention Neil Pau, but to me, that's no surprise. He, to me, he was one of our best players last year. I, I don't know why he doesn't get mentioned as much as some of our, as some of our guys last year, but he had a great season last year and he's, he's a really good football player. Gunner, Gunner did some really good things today. You know, everybody knows that he, he's, he was, had a good year last year as well. And then Puka, 
man, he, he plays at a, he plays at a really high level. He plays so hard and so fast. Um, you know, we get those guys on the field together and, um, it's a pretty fun group to watch when you add the, the, our tight ends and our running backs to that mix. Um, so those are some guys, I mean, we already knew those guys were good, but they're all better than they used to be. They're all getting better every day. And, and that's, that's pretty cool to see. Okay, Norma, go ahead. Once again, you told us that the quarterback situation is just getting more clear. What do you mean by that? Does that mean you're narrowing down from the three guys to two? Does it mean one is taking some significant steps? Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, we're, I'm just, I'm getting close to establishing, you know, we've been going equal reps uh, all the way up to today. And I'm getting close now to being ready to just, uh, you know, divvy up those reps a little more, uh, you know, to, to give the starter, whoever's going to start the first game, give him a little more. Um, well, so we'll start getting to that real soon. It might, it might be, might be as early as Monday. It would be Wednesday at the latest that we get to that. Um, we're going to go watch this film. We're going to talk about it as a staff. And, and uh, you know, I think it's, it's becoming pretty clear. And, I, if, you know, if, if you went and asked the players right now, they could probably tell you. But they, uh, you know, they, they've battled hard and they've all gotten better. And, but that picture is starting to clear up for us. Any last questions for A-Rod? Nope. All right, you're done. Hey, thanks, guys. There you go, Aaron Roderick. Uh, very interesting there. He say, he say that through today it's been all even reps for the quarterbacks. That's so it sounds like, and that's kind of what I figured would be the case here because they're now two weeks out. They're two weeks away from facing Arizona. So at some point, I think this coming week, Lundy, they're going to make the determination of, okay, one, two, and three in that quarterback derby. And then you start sinking the reps into the guy who he believes is going to be number one. Number two gets essentially the other reps and number three just got to be ready yep yeah three gets to hold you know quarterback number three he carries the clipboard you know kind of yeah. provides some insight and things like that they still got to be ready to play though so all right let's head over back down to byu kevin clune byu linebackers coach addressing the media right now i keep in score of that stuff that's somebody else's job so i don't know i just want to play good football today on both sides i thought that uh at linebacker, I think those guys are playing at a real high level mentally. And so, um, you know, that's really carrying over every day in practice. I, I really am fired up with the, that position group and how they're doing and, um, you know, how the front's working together with D-line, all that stuff is is, uh, is on point right now, right where we want to be for camp. We know about uh, Will Gar and, and Peely and uh, Tooley. It's kind of your main three guys. Who else is maybe breaking into that? that uh, rotation or, or that too deep chart for you? Um, you know, you, you, you see Ben Bywater out there. He was injured last season and uh, he's really coming on, really playing smart. He's, he's playing a number of different positions and has handled all that mental load well and is flying around and doing good things. He's fast, he's strong. And so he's kind of a guy that's going to show up that maybe you didn't see last year. Um, you know, guys like uh, Morgan Piper, who's done a great job. Again, multiple positions and running around and playing good ball. Um, you know, the next crew is, is probably like Josh Wilson and Drew Jensen. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody right there, but uh, I am forgetting somebody who's next. But, um, yeah, but yeah, good. I, I'm, as a group, again, I'm very happy with the, the direction they're going and the progress they've made in the last, uh, I don't know what practice this is, but practice 10 or 15, I have no idea. Do you like the track you're on? You feel like you're, you're on track? Are you ahead of schedule or behind or 
I actually feel uh, coming out of last week's scrimmage, I felt like we were way ahead of schedule and and ready to take that step to start thinking about the first few games. So um, today was today's scrimmage was mentally focused. You know, um, you know the sideline, the coming on and off, understanding situational football. All those things were a, were a, were a major step forward from last week. So again, I'm I'm very pleased with um, kind of the mentality and where we're at, and we can't wait to get to that first game, uh, even though it's again I don't know what day of the week it is or anything like that. But um, you know, we got two weeks. I'm not sure. So two weeks from today. Yep. Yeah. All right, Sean, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Coach, I had kind of a similar question as Jay, but maybe even a little bit even, even less specific. Um, just how how would you categorize the depth on this team Because it's at, at linebackers? Because it's no secret that you guys obviously lost a lot of really good talent last year. But, it, I mean, the way that you just rattle off names that are stepping up and making big plays, I mean, would you say that this team is is – I don't even want to make too many comparisons to last year, but – but would you say that it's still got pretty good depth on it? Yeah, I mean, never do you want to go back and start comparing things to last year. This is a whole brand new season, a whole brand new schedule, you know, brand new guys. and Everybody's in a different place than, than last year. So it's always an evolution from the 2020 to 2021. And every year, you know, you want to count on, you know, the foundation that you built last year. But really, you got to go back brick by brick and take every step. Um, that there is in this new season. You can't shortcut anything and you know, hard work has to be there. It can't just be, well, last year we did this. So of course we're going to go out and score 42 points or whatever it may be. Um, this is brand new. And so when you talk about that now and, and coming into this, I inherited a great group of guys, a solid deep crew of guys that take care of business on the field, off the field, um, who have a great mindset and mentality for playing linebacker and they understand what they want to get done. And so um, I've just been blessed walking into a room, I got 12 guys that I can count on. And, um, you know, maybe not all of them in the same place exactly, but but you start with leaders like Peely and Wilgar and then Thule and, and Bywater, Drew and, and uh, you know, Kafusi, all those different guys. Um, they all bring something different, and I'm just happy to be a part of that. And uh, I can't say for every position, but I know mine. I love this crew of, of, of linebackers, the D line, again, we're working together with the D line and, and maybe there's not a star or a name, but you know, it's, I call them the no name D line because whoever's in there seems to be taking care of business for us so that we can make our plays at linebacker. So there's a lot to it. And, and you know, I, I can't, I, I, I'm so deeply involved. I don't look at the offense or how deep the O line is, whatever that is. I don't know, but I can just tell you about my situation. Um, how very happy I am to be with these guys. Uh, Jay, go ahead. Yeah, Kevin, uh, A-Rod just told us you're not taking uh, the main ball carriers to the ground, Tyler and probably Lopini. Uh, seeing as how linebackers do the tackling on a team, is that uh, is that presenting any issues or problems for you getting your guys ready, or are you getting enough work with the other running backs? that You, can- you know, day in, day out, um, yeah, first of all, like – this, this isn't 1985 where we're going to go out and just knock skulls twice a day. Um, but day in, day out, we do get good work with the running backs, and we have different drills that we will do each day against the running backs, tight ends, receivers, you know, things like that, where they're working on ball security and trying to keep that ball high and tight and making sure they don't give it away. And as, as linebackers, we're, we're working on our fundamentals, close creep strike, keeping our leverage, um, all the things that make good tackling. And so, you know, last week when we did go live, I didn't see, at least again, my, my position group, I don't remember a, a missed tackle, so I'm very happy with the progress last week. This week was more of, um, 
you know, this whole week, we, you know, we're not banging those guys like Tyler. It'd be stupid to bang those guys right now. Um, but I am happy with the angles they're taking and how they're breaking down and doing the things, the fundamentals that you're are going to need to be carried over towards the game. First games are always kind of, uh, you know, you don't know what you're going to get exactly, but I, I believe 100% these guys are going to be in that area. The tackling shouldn't be an issue. All right, Jake, last question. Yeah, Coach, you talked about uh, just like the leaders that, that you have on your squad. Uh, do you feel like any of those guys are really the leaders of the defense or do you look at them as um, as being the guys who are just looked up to on on the team? Well, yeah, and, and this this team is still – this version of, of BYU football, this 2021 version is still evolving. And that leadership is still coming around. You know, we lost good leadership last year. We lost our quarterback. We lost Isaiah Kafusi. You know, we lost uh, Kairos Tonga. Um, and so the new leadership has to step in, take over, and establish itself. And how that is is going to be different than what it was last year or the year before. So that natural evolution is still in play. I look towards, you know, Keenan Peely's a very quiet leader, but always doing the right thing and always in the right place and, and always working hard. And so he's a great guy to look towards. And, and in, again, I'm talking just about my group, Peyton Wilgar is another leader who's, who's been in the fight before and you know what you're going to get. And every single day when he comes out, he's looking to get mentally better. And so those you know guys fall on their example. Um, and then overall, this whole team, is you know mature young men but this is the most mature team i've ever been around and so you know somebody's stepping out of line those guys will handle it even before we might even see it as coaches and so um that's a great thing and it's a tremendous you got tremendous kids here and it's it's a pleasure to work with kids like that all right coach clint thank you thank you you guys have a great day recording stopped all right there you go Kevin Clune speaking to the media BYU linebackers coach. I like Coach Clune. He's got a lot of energy. Yeah, you know, there were a couple things that stood out to me from that that I, I really liked. Um, and I think it, it all ties together even. You know, right there at the end, he started talking about the need for uh, this year's leaders to step up and kind of get it. Um, actually, let's transition. We've got Kalani yeah. Sataki sitting down. So we're going to get to him, and I'll make that point later. Anybody? Yeah, I'll start off, I guess. Hey, go, go ahead, Jake. Don't want to be the first one all the time. Um, Kalani, how did the scrimmage go? Just sum it up for us. What did you learn about your guys maybe that you didn't know, and, and what did you accomplish? Um, a lot of good work, a lot of great uh, opportunities to learn, uh, great situational football, um, just just putting our guys in different positions that we're going to see in games, and, and then just trying to manufacture uh, different looks. And uh, we were able to get – all three phases clicking today. Um, and in regards to the scrimmage, uh, the I know you guys are going to ask it, like, who did better. I'm just going to tell you that the offense started slow, which means the defense did pretty good. Then the offense got things rolling. And then it was kind of back and forth. Um, we had good amount of, of um, the uh, scrimmage go live, um, I would say. But the ones we didn't do live, we did um, mostly our, our practice tempo that we do normally with them. Um, but we last week we had um, the ones go live quite a bit. And even in practice, I would say the scrimmage last week, we had some live work. And and in, in practice, we got some live work last week. And this week, we, we got opportunities to see some of our guys do some live stuff as well. So I know that um, 
you know, guys like Tyler Algier and others that have been playing a lot of football, you know, we may not make them tackle, get tackled in, in the scrimmage and stuff like that right now, but uh, we've had opportunities to do some, some, um, some tackling drills with them and, and, um, you know, just to keep them fresh. I don't, if you're looking at our one defense, those guys have tackled quite a bit this, this fall camp. So, um, just don't want their first time to tackle be in the game. So uh, we're obviously going to work next week against some of our scouts and start focusing on Arizona and then away we go. But right now I feel really good where, where the team is at. Aaron just told us, uh, and he told me Thursday, and he just told us again that the quarterback, you're getting separation now. You want to have maybe somebody after you watch the film today, but, but probably before Wednesday. Are you on board with that kind of timeline? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll just echo what he said, and, and and we're starting to see. I wouldn't say that there's definitely a lot of separation. I'm just gonna say that we feel really good about three quarterbacks, and and um, there's there's uh, we have an idea of what we're doing, and and we we can we can see it. So I, it's uh, I, I we thought that maybe one would be elevated, but all three have elevated their game, and um, we're, we're starting to see how this is going to shape up, and. I just want to confirm it all with the film and and uh, communicate with the quarterbacks themselves, and then away we go. So I think we're I think we're right headed right down that timeline that A Rock gave you. Other questions? Kalani, are you on track? Do you like uh, the whole team wise uh, where you are this far in camp? Do you feel like everything's installed and you're ready to go? Yeah, we got we got everything in place. Obviously, there's there's more practice and more things to learn. Um, we haven't done any scouting on Arizona right now, so all the focus has been getting our install, getting our our install, and focusing on what we're trying to get done on our offense, uh, defense, and special teams. And so all the installs in now. Now it's a matter of um, getting the depth chart solidified and and making sure that we get the right reps to the right guys, and then start working on uh, Arizona prep. And so. As we start doing that, we, we can start uh, looking at, at the, the the play call sheet on both offense and defense and figure out the schemes that we want to work with. Been a lot of emphasis on on uh, our assignments and technique and the fundamentals of football. We want to always work on that. That's a daily process, but we, we also want to make sure that we start getting towards a position where we feel like we have a scheme and a mindset going to execute against, against Arizona. So, um, that's that's where we're going to transition to. But in, in order to do that, you have to have kind of uh, an idea of who's going to run the bulk of the reps in practice, who's going to be running some scout team, give us the looks that we need, and start getting our travel squad solidified. How healthy are you? Do you have you come out of this with with no season-ending injuries so far? Yeah, we're we're we're, we're really healthy right now. Um, obviously, we got we have some injuries, and there's some things that some guys that have. A little banged up here and there, but I, I think going into the first game, I have to think. I gosh, I, I have to think about it right now. But I think everybody's still in play for now. But um, looking at at, uh, at at guys getting better, um, Puka's been a little bit limited, but today he went pretty full, he went full full go and and he has been doing that for probably the latter part of this this week, and um, he looks really good. I, I've been. I really like that that receiver group. I like the skill set on the offense. Um, Down Hoker, uh, I just I would love every player to go serve a mission that he served because he's in great shape. Looks really good, and um, I don't want to jinx it, but 
he's got two weeks left to really get to get his um you know his his uh perfect his craft and he's he's really good and and it goes really well with what we've got with Isaac Rex and Mason Wake and the other guys in that group. Um, so skill wise, I really like Gunnar Romney, Neil Pau, um, I know I'm leaving guys out, but they, they, they did some really good things today. And it's not just <laughs> as receivers. I thought they blocked really well downfield too. So, um, yeah, just, just, I'm excited. I'm excited to see these guys start working, getting some fresh legs back and, and getting them ready for the, for the game. All right. Anybody else got any questions? Yeah, Kalani, you've you've talked about a lot of things the team is doing well, and you feel like things are shaping up, and you're looking ready. Um, are there any concerns you have as a head coach, uh, just getting ready for game day? Every head coach has concerns. <laughs> so, uh, how much time do you have? It, it's just, uh, you know, there's always concerns. But the one thing that I'm really um, I feel a lot of comfort with is, is our coaching staff and the type of players that we have in this program. And so uh, it, to me, it makes my job um, that much easier for me as, as a head coach to be in this position, knowing that type of kids that we have, and the leadership that we have on this team and, um, and also the potential leadership. And then uh, just really happy with the coaching staff that we have and, and the way that they prepare these guys uh, really looking forward to the next couple of weeks, because I feel like so far things have kind of gone to plan and, as a head coach, you're, you're, you you kind of make your own trouble sometimes. You're like, well, things are going good, a little too good. You know what I mean? So it's like you're always battling that situation where we've got to create find, to find ways to to make things ugly. And then it's hard because when we're scrimmaging, um, you know, we're going off of when we're doing our, our ones, we're going off of um, tag. So uh, they're not getting the benefit of that when it comes to gaining yards and things. So it makes it a little harder to – sustained drives but so what that's that's what we do we train ugly we put ourselves in positions that make mistakes and have uh, a difficult time in practice so that we don't have to uh, worry about those in, in the game so we're we're there it's not error free so as much as I like the progress of the team um, there's still a lot of mistakes there and that's a good sign for us to correct them but they're correctable mistakes they're easy they're things that we can we can definitely uh, fix with a little bit more focus a little bit more discipline and, and a little bit more instruction from the coaches. And so as we start doing that, uh, these scrimmages are really good for our players, but I think a lot of people don't realize how good they are for the coaches as well to go through the, the game type of uh, situations and play calls and uh, working your personnel and, and working with referees. That That's a, that's a fun dynamic. And, um, you know, I, I, I say that the players need the work, but the coaches do as well. And we're going to take it every advantage of the next two weeks to get ready for this game. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right, guys. Appreciate it. There you go, Kalani Satake. And interesting to hear him. He agrees with Aaron Roderick. He thinks as soon as Monday that starting quarterback could be named. I do not think for a second that that will be revealed to the public. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, you know, we talked a little bit off air about this, but, you know, Kalani Satake is, you know, one of the – he's he's of the Kyle Whittingham coaching tree, so he's not going to uh, – to, to tip it, tip his hand unless he absolutely has to. And so while the team will know who that starting quarterback is, uh, they're not going to let anyone else know because, you know, it's part of the strategy of the game. Yeah, it's just it's all gamesmanship, obviously. You want to keep uh, Arizona guessing as much as you possibly can in the lead-up to that game. Anything else you took away from that? Um, you know, I liked what he said, you know, and 
So, yeah, kind of the point that I was making earlier before Kalani got on there, and Kalani continued with this. Um, you know, he talked about the coaches need the reps as well. Um, You're about Kevin Clune. Yeah, his, his well, yeah. And Kevin Clune, one of the things that stood out to me, you know, he was talking about his linebackers. You know, he he wanted to see the leaders step yeah. into that role. And one of the things that I think both of both him and Kalani did is they kind of led by example in their comments where they both talked about, you know, uh, Kevin Clune said, you know, oh, I don't even know what day of the week that game is, right? You know, <laughs> which do you believe that? Because I don't. I, I, I absolutely think he knows exactly when it is, but he's saying that yeah. to give the example to his players. We're focused on now. Yeah. Like, you know, Kalani said, we're not game planning for Arizona yet. You know, they're focused on right now. They're, they're, they're saying that thing to kind of give that to their players to say this is the mindset. Yeah, we all, we all know that the coaches use the media to speak to their players. There's right. no doubt about that. But the season opener, they know when it's at. Yeah. If we were talking week five, six, like kind of midway point of the season where it's just it becomes a like – I'd believe that more heavily maybe. Even then I'd have questions about it. But, you no, know, your, your point is very well made there, Lundy, that he's just trying to get across, guys, here and now, focus here. Yep. Not looking ahead. We're not looking behind. We're looking right here. Yep. Today is the only day that matters. Yeah. And so, like, that was a little bit, I think, of what, you know, and that, that stood out to me that and I, I think that's a smart move, you know. Yeah. Show your players, hey, this is the kind of leadership that we expect, and we need you to step up and fill this, and this is how you do it. Sure. All right, so there you go, BYU football availability. We planned on having that a little bit earlier on in the show, but uh, got it on all the same. Good to hear from the coaches, obviously. We'll hopefully have Utah sound at some point during today's show as well. Uh, and at some point, maybe we'll get to it. I also did a one-on-one conversation with BYU running backs coach Harvey Unga earlier this week. Had a great chat with him. We'll see if we can work that in as well. But coming up next, we'll get to technical fouls. That's all coming up next on the Saturday show. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network, live on location today in Bountiful at the Coats for Kids Car Show, put on the by the Bountiful Rotary Club. Fun show. A lot of people milling around. There's food trucks, uh, lots of different things. I see Mobetas uh, from Mobetas Hawaiian-style food over there. So if you guys are interested, you're out and about on a Saturday afternoon, come by and stop by. I'd love to see you guys. Yeah, you know, it's been a lot of fun so far. I've been keeping my eye out on the different food options around here. And we have a special and, uh, guest stepping in. Oh, man. Yeah, we'll find out which how to get this mic on for him. We got. I don't know. If that, we, you got me now. I don't yeah, know. The man, the myth, the legend himself, Austin Horton. Man, I don't know if we physically have time for this. If we have, if we physically have time for this, I've been making Eric's clock late all day. That's okay. That, uh, how are you, buddy? Uh, good. I wanted to share. Did you think Kalani and Aaron Roderick were saying the same things? How so? What do you? Because it sounded like Aaron Roderick is telling the truth and Kalani's trying not to. Oh, no, I'm with you on that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Kalani, to his everlasting credit, learned at the foot of the master, Kyle Whittingham himself, about the non-answer answer. Yeah. 
Yep, because Aaron Roderick was like, we're seeing separation, we want to have a guy. And then they asked Kalani, and Kalani was like, yeah, yeah, we are, but we have three quarterbacks we really, really like. (laughs) That's exactly how he goes. I don't know that we're really seeing separation. We're just seeing good things from all of them. Yeah, they're three separate people. That is accurate, Coach Roderick. Hey, Austin, I know when you did the Saturday show, you did technical fouls here. Yeah. Technical fouls are quick. I want you to listen to the one I've got, but go ahead, Len. Do yours real quick here Okay, so first one that I want to get to, and this has been a a story that's been in the college football realm since we're a week away. Um, I wanted to call a quick technical foul on Scott Frost over at Nebraska. They uh, are being investigated by the NCAA for holding workouts and practices during times that they weren't allowed to because the season was postponed. Um, You know, so, I mean, obviously technical foul for cheating, but on top of that, if you're going to cheat, don't go three and five. (laughs) Cheat right. Like, so technical foul on cheating and then losing. Amen. Yeah, if you're going to cheat, cheat right. If you're going to cheat, make sure that you're winning yeah. all but maybe one game every season. Like I have extended family who are huge Nebraska fans from Lincoln, Nebraska. When this all came to light, I got a text from one of them saying, so you're telling me my favorite team can't even cheat the right way? Yeah, <laughs> three wins. Is that worth cheating? I don't know. You know, we... There's the old saying, you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Well, apparently they weren't even trying at cheating. No, so. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like uh, my ex. You got to cheat a little better, you know. <laughs> there you Just go. Kidding. All right, and I've got one here from Australia. So ABC News down in Australia was doing a uh, doing a segment on police dogs when suddenly in the middle of the segment for about two or three seconds, there it cuts to a satanic ritual, including the words, Hail Satan, in the middle of this clip, and then goes right back to the live feed. In a new on a news feed, ABC News in Australia. <laughs> oh, you got to bring that up with. Kind, that's my kind of news, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you got to bring that up with Joe Ingles on the Joe. Yeah, we got to find out what's going oh, on here because it's, it's very. You can hear it. Hail Satan is in the middle of this clip, and it goes right on. The news anchor to her, to her credit just kind of moved on to the next story. Didn't even <laughs> bother dealing with. It. <laughs> well done, Eric. Maybe it was a uh, sateen from uh, Wreck It Ralph. That's the point. Yeah, I just I. Yeah, so broadcaster Yvonne Young managed to keep a straight face through all that happened, and then just kind of moved right into the next story. But it's Sorry my radio distinct. show got hacked. Hail- that wasn't me. That wasn't my voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's very distinct, though. It says, it says, hell Satan in the middle of this clip. Hey, when, when ratings are down, you side with who you can side with to, to keep that going. Huh? All right. Well, we are off clock. Awesome. Thanks for See you, guys. By. Thanks for doing this. We'll get back to uh, more of what's going on with Utah and BYU coming up next. You're listening to the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. NSFM Colville, KCNSAM, Salt Lake City, 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show, hour two underway here, live on location with the Bountiful Rotary Club today, their Coats for Kids car show. Some absolutely incredible vehicles, by the way, just parked here. It's super cool. Like, I'm, you know, usually, like, this is a little bit more eye candy than I normally get when I do the Saturday show. Not like, you know, (laughs) I mean, not that looking across the table at your face isn't, you know, already good enough for me, but it's like, now I've got the cars and things There's and no doubt you know, about Johnny's that. here as well and so this is just a 
great place to be. Yeah, absolutely having a blast out here. So if you guys are looking for something to do today on this lovely afternoon, by the way, like for August, this weather cannot be beat. We've had a very brutal summer in terms of heat. Yeah, no, this is, I mean, this is perfect. Yeah. Like, I, I could be out here all day. Yeah. I might be. <laughs> You're just going to hang out all day. Yeah, uh, why not, right? No, no, no doubt about that. So uh, thank you, by the way, to all of you for tuning in here. Good to hear from BYU. Uh, funny enough, we expected Utah to go f before BYU because Utah media availability was supposed to expect it around 1130 is what the release said. Well, they have like just barely started, it seems like. I'm seeing stuff come <laughs> over the timeline. Meanwhile, BYU is supposed to go later. It's to go around 1245, 1 o'clock. They decided to go, you know, like 1230. So, yeah. Welcome to how media works, man. It is pulling back the curtain a little bit for those of you listening out there. It's a lot of hurry up and wait. Yeah, a lot of scrambling, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, quarterbacks aren't the only ones that have to scramble when the pocket breaks down. Yeah, do, do it a little bit here as well. <laughs> no doubt about that. So uh, we're going to move up a segment here because we're anticipating hopefully at some point some Utah audio. We'll keep an eye on that. But we're going to move up what normally we play in what we're call our 130 segment. It's our five minutes of segment. And obviously we have a lot of fun talking about different topics we have not touched on for the day. And, of course, the big hit of them all is Saki. And the chance of the goal! Sergi Carlos scores Brentford's first top four goal in 74 years! McDavid to dry settle, return feed to McDavid, getting around Equid Larson. Here is McDavid! He scores! What a goal! Can be said from Barcock, who give it away rather cheaply. Again. It worked once to get a centre back. And here's Holland. Strength, power, precision, pass, 1 0! Marco Rice! There goes the beer! Thunderbar! Salah on his left foot, and it's 3 0! And Mohamed Salah scores on five consecutive Premier League opening days, and that's a new record. And once again, Set pace. Nice open there by Eric, obviously. Saki, we uh, had a suggestion from our good friend Clint, a very avid listener of the station and the Saturday show in particular, where we like to talk about soccer and hockey. Why not just put them together? So, obviously, hockey very much in the dead of their offseason here, Lundy, but it is your specialty. I did see, though, that Henrik Lundqvist called it a career. Yeah, he, uh, he retired. Um Kind of a little unexpected, but, all, you know, I mean, great career, you know, hang it up while you, you know, before it gets 15, too far down. Yeah, 15 seasons with the Rangers, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. right? So, yeah, you know, always kind of unfortunate to see guys retire. But, you know, like, good on him. Happy retirement. Yeah. A um, couple other stories that are coming down. Like, there's two that I wanted to hit on. Okay. Uh, first one real quick. The NHL is you know, the NHL's Board of Governors approved advertisements for the front of team. This on ESPN, it says front of team's jerseys. I would like to correct that and say front of team's sweaters. Uh, Good call. You know, for the 2022-2023 season. Uh, during the 2020 season, like this past NHL season, they had them on the sides of the helmets, uh, which was a little bit weird to me to see that, you know, getting used to the, the team's decal logo being more kind of on the front of the helmet 
with the advertisements on the sides. Um, they're going to be allowing now advertisements on the front of the sweaters. We see that in other sports. You know, I mean, the NBA has those say, small. They already have this patch. Um, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, in soccer specifically, it's very prevalent, you know, where it's that's, – that's the main logo is the, the sponsor, and then the team gets kind of a smaller thing on their own jersey. Um, okay, so – Okay, sorry, sorry to interject there. Yeah, no with problem. with the helmet stuff last year, I didn't notice it honestly. I, it's just me speaking. I didn't watch as much hockey as you uh-huh. and Eric obviously did, but I remember them saying they were going to allow that last year. But I never thought that I never like watched a hockey ma- hockey match or was it a hockey game, hockey, hockey match, game, whatever. Yeah. But I never turned it on. and was like, oh, it's glaring. There's a there's an advertisement on that helmet. I don't know. Is that that's maybe just me though. Yeah, it was something that I noticed pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I noticed it you a know, lot, I, too. Especially I, in, like, the and, close-up shots. Yeah, and I... Fair enough. Like, you know, admittedly, I missed the initial announcement that I, that was going to happen. Sure. So I turned on the first Oilers game of the season and was like, wait a minute, why does it say Bell on their helmets? <laughs> and so I looked it up, and it was like, oh, like, you know. And, like, I actually had the thought, like, has this been going on for a while, and I'm only just now noticing? Because that happens to me a lot. Yeah. And so... I looked it up and it was it was new for last year. Yeah, um, so it's going to continue this yeah, year. Yeah, I was going to say one other thing on this is this is going to continue in all sports. Mm-hmm. NBA teams are pulling in about five million dollars on average for their jersey sponsor, the jersey patches, and mm-hmm. these jersey these sweater patches you're talking about for NHL, they're actually going to be bigger than the NBA ones. Yeah, you can guarantee they're going to continue to do this stuff to draw in as much revenue as they possibly yeah. can. And from uh, Greg Wyshynski mm-hmm. on ESPN, um, he reports, he says, the NHL will allow sports wagering advertisements on jerseys and helmets beginning in the 2022-2023 season. Okay. Um, they will only be allowed on home uniforms and only if single-game sports betting is legal in the team's state or province. Only one sports betting company is permitted to have a sponsor branding on the uniform at a time. Uh, NHL did not allow sportsbook sponsors when it introduced helmet ads in 2020-2021. Jersey ads have been approved starting 2022-2023. So that was interesting to me that, you know, okay, we're going to allow sports betting to advertise, but only on home jerseys and only when it's in an area where that's approved. Um, Now, the other story that I wanted to get to just really quickly here, the city of Glendale is terminating the Arizona Coyotes uh, Gila River Arena lease after this season. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they've played there for the past 18 seasons, but since 2016, it's been on a year-by-year basis. Yep. Uh, they haven't been able to find a long-term solution. City manager Kevin Phelps uh, issued a statement where he said the decision to renew the operating agreement with the Coyotes was not made overnight or in a vacuum. Okay. So this is something they've been thinking about for a while. And, uh, you know, prior to even getting to this, shout-out to listener uh, Landry Heaton I was on Twitter. It was, sent, it was sent to us, yeah. Yeah, he, he tagged us um, that – uh, DuPont Coup on Twitter. He's a reporter. It's quite the name, DuPont Coup. I like it. Yeah. So he said, you know, considering NHL relocation for the Coyotes, he said, you know, gives a couple scenarios here. He says the Pacific is a no-no. Um, eight teams are in the division already. There, it needs to be either in the mountain or central time zone. And in his opinion, the four candidates are Milwaukee, Houston, Kansas City, and Utah. Now, okay. I have thought for a, a little while that, you know, we have the these uh, – preseason showcases that get hosted at the Vivint Arena. Yeah. You know, there's one coming up, you know, next month with the Kings and the Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. And I've often been of the opinion that that is the NHL kind of testing this market just to see how it would potentially do, you know, like considering it maybe for expansion. And uh, 
you know, for the first time in a really long time, I actually see that as, you know, kind of a decent possibility with this lease coming up. Not to say that it will sure. happen, but I think that there is a, a, a greater possibility now than there has been for the past few years. The issue with that, especially in the case of Vivid Arena, is Larry Miller, when he built the arena, it was built yes. with a specific thing for basketball. There were people who said, hey, build it so you could have a hockey team. He said, I'm not doing that. Right. I'm not doing it. It's, it's not built with great hockey sight lines overall, right. to be honest. Uh, obviously, the it's still, I call it the E-Center. It's always been the, the E-Center. The Maverick, Maverick Center Maverick Center now out there in West Valley. That's where the Utah Grizzlies play. Mm -hmm. It's set up better for hockey It's set there. up much better for hockey there. So I, in the, I'm actually somewhat intrigued that somebody brought up Utah as a potential relocation. I know that people say, well, we want the NFL, we want the MLB. You know what? The NHL, I think, would do fairly decently here. We actually, as a community, we embrace our sports. There were a lot of people who said when Real Salt Lake came to Utah, there's no way that a Major League Soccer team is going to thrive there. And by and large, it, it's done pretty dang well, all things considered. Yeah, no, when, when pro sports teams come to Utah, Utahns show up in support. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, even when it was the Arena Football League mm -hmm. with uh, the Utah Blaze, Blaze playing yeah. there, um, and at the time, the Energy Solutions Arena. Like, you know, I mean, that was, again, you know, kind of similar to the hockey thing. Like, the sight lines weren't great. Yeah. And so there were a lot of seats that they wouldn't sell just because it was like, well, you can't really see the field <laughs> from here. And so they would put banners over it and stuff. Yeah. And even with the limited seat selection, mm -hmm. in its first season and for pretty much all of the seasons during the remainder of its existence, the Blaze led the league in attendance. Scotty G has Scott Gerard, our, our course, our boss at the Zone. He's got a soft spot for the Blaze. He was the play-by-play -play voice for yeah. a while there, so I know I, he's got a soft spot for that I mean, league. I had season tickets. You yeah. know, I was in high school. I loved it. Yeah. And, so uh, it's interesting. I would love to have another pro franchise here in this state. Mm -hmm. I think people would warm to it. Uh, but some interesting things there. All right, so let's get to the soccer side of hockey here. Uh, Real Salt Lake, uh, as they like to say, we're facing their little bro tonight. It's of course the Rocky Mountain Cup rivalry. It's rivalry. It's it's rivalry week across Major League Soccer. I believe there's 12 matches involving rivals. Obviously, the LA teams. Uh, yeah, you also have uh, so in this case, Real Salt Lake taking on the Colorado Rapids. Uh, this, they play three times a year in a normal season. This is the second matchup of those three games. They'll be in Commerce City, Colorado tonight at Dick's Sporting Goods Park to take on the Rapids. The Rapids actually just in front of Real Salt Lake in the standings right now. And Salt Lake on a little bit of a better run here. They've uh, picked up six points from their past two matches. This will be a tougher match, though, as they go into this setup against uh, Colorado. Robin Frazier, for, of course, former RSL assistant, now the head coach out there in Colorado, doing a pretty good job, all things told. Uh, but we'll see. It'll be an interesting match tonight. Uh, funny enough, the one home match I feel like has been the most dominant one of the season for Real Salt Lake to this point was their first match against Colorado. Real Salt Lake really just, I think, took care of business, showed a very complete match in that. The hope is you can take that on the road and show that again tonight. So I, I do want to ask you a question about okay. this because, like, you know, obviously my, my soccer knowledge is very limited. Sure. Um, and I know that, you know, it's rivalry week. Mm -hmm. So would, would you say that Colorado is the main rival of RSL? Because I've, I've False. you know, the last time I attended. Wrong. No. <laughs> okay. That's what I thought because I was going to say the last time I attended uh -huh. a, a game, I got some free tickets, um, took a date, went to the game, and it was against uh, – Sporting Kansas City. Yes. And yes. showing up knowing nothing about it. And, you know, I was it was maybe five minutes in, and I was like, this feels very, yeah. very hostile. Like, there's something going on here. The it Sporting does. Kansas City rivalry is an organic one that developed. It developed it actually in a preseason match. That it was called early due to fisticuffs being thrown, by the okay. way. 
Uh, it was a preseason match down in Arizona. And then there's also a infamous uh, Pioneer Day game. So it was played Pioneer Day, oh, yeah. July 24, that celebrating a the holiday in, in Salt Lake City here where... <laughs> Some let's wait, wait, late hijinks allowed Sporting Kansas City to escape with a victory that Real Salt Lake players took very much exception to. Benny Fellhaber was on that team. He's kind of been the guy who's been the impetus for this. As PK is fond of saying about the Sporting Kansas City Real Salt Lake thing, they hate us. We hate them. It's just it's something that it's an organic rivalry, but because of the proximity between Colorado and Utah, that, that Rocky Mountain Cup rivalry. It's been very much in favor of Real Salt Lake over the years. Okay. They have a trophy and everything, but it's the one that's, for lack of a better I example, it's fake. It's the Colorado Buffaloes and, and the, the Utah, Utah Utes. Utes. Okay, yeah. That's, in terms, that's <laughs> totally what I can understand. Totally manipulated. So it's it's an air quotes rivalry. Contrived, yes. I guess is the way to say it. So okay. It's the arranged rivalry. Yeah. So that's just kind of how that goes. Kind of how that how that plays out. But it'll be a fun one tonight. Uh, first kick scheduled for seven o'clock Mountain Time. David James will obviously be on the call alongside Brian Dunseth. Seven o'clock on KMYU, the KSL TV app, or if you happen to be able to have ESPN Plus, you can check it out there as well. So. Should be a fun one. Uh, Eric, I know that you are a keen observer of English Premier League soccer. Is anything in that realm that we need to touch on that I may have overlooked? Yeah. we. Uh, okay. I'm just sort of here to be the guy for this segment that uh, is in on Europe this year. So, I've, I, you know, I have ESPN+. Plus, I have Paramount+. Mm -hmm. Plus. I watch it. I try to watch a little bit of everything. Alex, you text if me you, your logins, by the way, I'll, I'll just borrow. Yeah, I will absolutely do that after the show. I've I've got you on the Paramount Plus side. I know you got the ESPN. Yeah. Um, Alex, I'll send you logins too. Uh, I've I'll, already got Paramount Plus. So I'll, I'll tell you, buddy. You got to start with Europe. Then you'll get the MLS bug. So, so I I can tell you I I do have a European team. Okay. Okay. It's AFC Richmond. Well done, Ted Lasso. Oh, Ted Lasso. All right, okay. Well, here, Eric, here your, your comment on that tells me you haven't ever watched Ted Lasso. Yeah, I know. Here are five teams that I believe are the best in Europe that I think okay. Alex should watch this year, and that I think our listeners should try to watch this year. Shouldn't this be like the 150 segment, like teams that, Eric, that Alex Lindbergh should be watching with your voiceover <laughs> with it? Well, um, maybe, but here, here, here's one. Uh, okay. PSG, they just got messy. Now, unfortunately, this is a terrible suggestion by me because there's no way to, like, feasibly watch League 1 in uh, America. But if you get Paramount+, Plus, they've got Champions League, that's where sure. you really want to watch PSG because that's all okay. that matters for them this year. Man City, they'll be on Peacock and NBCSN. Very good team in the Premier League. Just got Jack Grealish over the offseason. They are trying to steal Jay Catch's sweet boy, Harry Kane and uh, turn themselves into a power once again in England. They uh, are a power already. They are, okay. but they could get better. Uh, Juventus, that's Paramount+. Plus. They've got Ronaldo. Chelsea signed Romelio Lukaku. He will start tomorrow against Arsenal for the first time. Chelsea going back, and then... Going back to Chelsea after 10 years away for yep, him. Yep, NBC, and then uh, Manchester United. Their team, I am watching a lot this Could year. Did you pick more front runners for us? No, here? no, but the, the, I, I am. I picked the five best teams in Europe. This is mainly for Alex. I mean, if well, you want something, pick so, none of these teams. If Eric. you want something <laughs> off the beaten path, maybe go with the sassy boys, as I like to call them, Sassulo in Italy. They're going to be good this year. Uh, Eric. 
Bayern Leverkusen, very solid. RB Leipzig, they've got Jesse Marches. Just throw Bayern Munich in there and get it over with. I love Bayern Munich. That is is true. So, uh, you know, like, I'll I'll give you this, you know, and then you can kind of take it back to the drawing board and come back to it. Look at the pro teams that I cheer for and tell me that, like. I know you're not a front runner, but (laughs) I need you to fall in love with soccer, and you can't really do that by watching Crystal Palace every week, so. <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur will always let you down, just like your Bengals and the Reds so, and the Oilers. Hey, the Reds are tied for the wild card. Hey, the Reds card are doing right great right now. The Joey Reds Votto, are going to make the playoffs. Joey Votto is he's in, like he's an MVP candidate. He has been stellar. Like I mean, you know, I'm gonna Unreal. start like a, a I don't know, uh, you know, one of those Change.org petitions or something. See if I can get him inducted into the Hall of Fame before the season's over. Because okay. man, that guy has been on fire the last few weeks ever since actually it was uh i forget her name but there was that little you know like four-year-old fan uh in san diego that her favorite player was joey Votto. shows up and he gets ejected in the first inning um and so you know he sends a signed ball that was like hey sorry that i wasn't there to play ever since then and she got tickets from the reds to go back the next day and he took pictures and everything just because joey Votto's is a great guy Mm -hmm. like not very many people better than than Votto. Guys has um, 2000 2000th career hit. Yeah. And 300 home run, right? Yeah. And since like I, I think it's been I saw the stat last night. I'm pulling it up off, off the top of my head cuz I don't you know, don't want to take the time to find it again. But it was in like the last 40 games or something like that. He's had or you know, since that happened, he's had 17 home run or I think it was 30 games. Uh-huh. 17 home runs and 40 RBIs. Jeez. Since that happened. And his, his batting average has improved. He is just, you know, and, and the last four times that Nick Castellanos has gotten to the plate and gotten hit by a pitch, he takes first bait, base all four of those times. Joey Votto gets up next and goes yard. <laughs> Jeez. So, okay. It's, uh, you know, Joey Votto. MVP. <laughs> MVP. If they make the wild card, he's very much going to be in that discussion. He, yeah. So the Reds, you know, they do this every year, I feel like, though. They give me hope. Uh, you know, they start off being the Reds. They give me hope. Then they're going to make the wild card this year, and they're going to do what they did last year and just get shut out and have no offense. So, But you know what? I'm ready to be hurt again. All right, so there you go. We even fit some uh, baseball into our five-minute yeah. subs. I like that. We should do more of that. I like baseball talk. It's always fun. All right, coming up next, we'll see what happens. We're supposed to have Utah audio at some point, we're hoping. But if not, maybe we'll get to Harvey Unga, a one-on-one conversation I had with him earlier this week, a BYU's running back coach. Uh, we'll get to all of that ahead. You're listening to The Saturday Show right here on The Zone Sports Network. About. Oh, really? This is The Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network, live at the Coats for Kids car show in Bountiful. Really, really fun event going on. There's a lot of people milling around. There's food trucks, incredible vehicles. I'm still just staring at this VW bus right next to us and just in awe. It's a great-looking vehicle. Yeah, no, that... I I will say that the thing that stole the show for me recently, somebody came walking by with their dog, and, uh, (laughs) you know, so that... That got my attention because it, it took all the, the self-control I have to not just throw this headset off and run over and start petting it. Um, Come here, puppy. Yeah. 
So, yeah, people are bringing their dogs. Um, if you're listening and you have a dog and you can get here before 2 p.m., um, please bring it over and well, let me say hi. Stay late if you if you if you promise to bring him a puppy. Yeah, if you if you're bringing a dog of any you know age or size or anything, just like <laughs> please, please bring it and introduce me. All right. So, uh, fun thing we're going to introduce here, and I'm going to let Eric kind of uh, still the still the show here for a minute. But he's got a contest he wants to run on the show for the upcoming football season. So, Eric, what are we going to do? Well, first, there, there's a little intro. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Oh, Wilson. He's going to uncork for the end wow. zone, and he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. Oh, a parachute over the shoulder. Come on. Wilson flushed. Intercepted. Picked off by Utah. Francis Bernard, the former BYU Cougar, runs it back. And in the last nine meetings now between these two, that is the eighth defensive touchdown by Utah. Love looking to the end zone. It's up. It's caught. It's a Utah State touchdown. Scarborough. Scarborough, the Las Vegas native with his second touchdown reception of the go. season. 56-yarder. It's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Holy cow. Oh, my God. Auburn wins. There's one common thread that I think the three of us know about each other. Okay. It is that we love football. More, uh-huh. more than perhaps we should. And uh, I feel like we need a contest. And we need a way to preview the entirety of the week locally and nationally. And the best way to do that. And you guys can decide on how we want to do it. We can just do picks straight up. We can pick against the spread, whatever you want to do. But every week, we'll have a segment. That probably won't play every single segment because it's a little longer. But there's a bed for it and everything where we will pick games each week. So we'll always pick the Utah game, the BYU game, the Utah State game. Uh, But we'll conference between the three of us before the show 
pick a Pac-12 game of the week, and then we'll rotate this next one. Every week, one of us will pick a national game of the week. It could be the best game on. It could be a team, a game that we just are really interested in watching. So the G5 can be included in that. I'm sure some of us might pick a Cincinnati game one week, you know. Okay. Uh, but one person will select that each week, and we'll, we'll pick it. And then we'll do the NFL as well briefly with the Sunday night football game each week. And then if we have time, the NFL game of a week, which I, uh, you know, as the NFL guy, think I'll, uh, I'll just, I'll curate that every week. So I don't know if you guys think this is a good idea or not. I just feel like we need something, comp- and maybe there's a, a prize involved, perhaps, you know, a plaque or a belt or lunch or something like that at the end of the season for whoever has the best record through this. But I feel like it's a good way probably during the 1 p.m. segment if we don't have an interview or the Saki segment even to or even what's the big deal to go all the way around the state of Utah see every single game where we're what we're thinking you know who we think's gonna win and you know also get a glimpse of the nation at the same time which I I think is is always good Seems intriguing enough. I think we'll have fun with that absolutely we can probably start next week with week zero in college football in all honesty so Awesome fun with that. Uh, by the way, on the week zero front, Lundy, does it feel good to know that we're seven days away? Oh, my gosh. I <laughs> I just, like, I tell people all the time, college football is my drug. Like, you know, and I, and now I have a, a, a you know, a career that pays me t- to indulge in my, in my vice. So, you know, that's. It's pretty sweet. Both good and bad in that yeah, regard. You know. uh, by the way, next week's college football slate, for those of you who may be wondering, and you're probably thinking, oh, they're really college football. Yeah. So we start off at 11 a.m. Mountain Time, Nebraska at Illinois. We get a Big Ten game right out the gate uh, to start that season. I'll be on Fox. Then UConn will take on Fresno State. That is going to be an absolute bloodbath in favor of the Bulldogs. I'll just say that right up front right now. Uh, you also have Hawaii at UCLA. It's an interesting contest there. UTEP at New Mexico in what I'd like to term the pillow fight of the week. Yes. And then finally, Southern Utah, a local team, uh, taking on San Jose State out there in San Jose. It's going to be a late game, though, 8 o'clock uh, for the Thunderbirds. They get their season underway. Yeah. it's And I'm excited to just, you know, turn those on and just, you know, I mean, I'll be, I'll be in studio for, you know, couple hours with that on in the background. Oh, yeah, we'll be watching. Don't worry. But, uh, you know, the rest, like, my eyes will be fixed on college football all day next Saturday, and I am so excited about it. How much do you think uh, this season is going to be, I guess, quote-unquote normal as compared to last year? Are you hoping it's fully normal, or what do you expect? I think it's going to be more normal than next year, or than last year. I don't know that it's going to be completely normal yet, because we are still seeing some some troubling trends uh, with pandemics and things like that. But we are also seeing a good number of teams that are, you know, above the the vaccination thresholds that, you know, we're hoping for. I mean, you look at a lot of these SEC teams, they're at 100% vaccination. Um, And so I think we'll see fewer cancellations. I do like that most conferences are putting in a forfeit policy, which I think incentivizes teams to, to, you know, get more vaccinated, to, to take the necessary precautions so that these games don't have to be canceled. Um, you know, it puts a competitive edge to it because last season, you know, it was a no contest. Yeah. This season, it actually goes on your record. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. and a lot of the coaching staffs, you know, if they, you know, if that prevents them from making a bowl game, they miss out on bonuses, and, you know, it, it could warm up their seat a good amount because that's what they're judged, judged on is their win-loss record, and if it's counting as a loss, that looks really bad on their resume. Yeah, we saw Arizona announce earlier this week that they have achieved 100% vaccination rate in their program. Kyle Winningham, I saw it coming across the timeline. He said that Utah's about 95%. He thinks that's where it's probably going to cap out at. He said there were going to be a few guys he felt like that would ultimately not get vaccinated for. I don't, and I'm not even going to begin to try and guess the reasoning right. for that. There's so many different think variations in all of this, but I, you make a very good point. These coaches, they understand what's at stake because it's their livelihood millions of dollars in many cases for especially in the head coach's case they they want these guys to be as they want as much availability from their players as as is possible i am with you i do expect it to be more normal i i do have concerns though with this uh delta variant just the kind of the resurgence of covid19 of it affecting things i don't know it's not gonna affect anything's right out the gate i don't feel like i feel like they're gonna push forward and just try and act like normal but I do have concerns as we get deeper and deeper into the fall that some complications could come. Yeah. Well, and you, you know, I mean, even with Hawaii playing next week, I know the next week is at the Rose Bowl. It's, you know, yeah. it's an away game for them, but they've already announced that fans to start the season won't be at home games. And they just retrofitted the TC Ching uh, athletic facility. It's it's essentially their practice field. They just retrofitted. It, it was only going to have 9,500 seats because they're, bu they're building a new stadium. Mm -hmm. Aloha Stadium has been condemned, by the way, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many people know this, but their football stadium was condemned. It, it's being torn down. Like They could not literally play in it. So they're, yeah, but they've already announced they had no fans, at least for the, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, so we're seeing that. We're, we're seeing some teams also announce, you know, both Oregon and Oregon State, uh, fans in attendance are going to be required. That's a state of Oregon's to, request. Yeah, yeah. To, to show proof of vaccination. We'll, mm -hmm. I'm sure that we'll see that, you know, expand to more teams. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how normal we can get it. I don't think we're going to see anything near the caliber of the, uh, you know, last year BYU accepting midweek to play Coastal Carolina. Um, <laughs> yeah. Though, Part of me kind of wishes we would get something like that. Like, I want that to be a, you know, I don't want that to be a flash in the pan. I don't want that to be an anomaly. Sure. I want that to be more normal. That was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, we don't need to schedule these games 15 years in advance. Yeah, but they went right back to doing oh, that. Oh, they absolutely have. Like, it's, you know, like, unfortunately, that's the normal. But BYU proved to the nation that you can schedule these things on a few days' notice and give the game of the season, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, that was the best game I watched all of last year. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. It's just – I'm just hopeful that we get it just a normal year. That's what, that's, yeah. that's what I'm hoping for. But we'll wait and see, honestly. But we will do it. And, Eric, I think your idea is actually pretty brilliant. We're going to we're gonna play around with it, obviously. And I think we'll debut it. We'll try it out next week with the college football games. Week zero, we'll have some fun on that front. And we'll keep it running tally. Maybe we'll put uh, some Skittles on it. Who knows? Maybe dinner or something. But we'll figure that out as we go along here. All right, coming up next – we will put a bow on this show. Who knows what our good friend Eric has cooked up. I, I, this final segment of the show, I just never quite know where we're going to go. But nonetheless, we'll put, uh, put this show to bed. That's coming up next right here on the Saturday Show. It's the weekend! It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait. Can't, 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 can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
Our dearest boy, Alex Lumberg, is in the City of Angels currently, enjoying a ska show. Now I must emphasize, this is not a bit making fun of Alex. His love for ska is potentially the purest thing about this show, and it truly brings us great joy. Alex deserves the time off and works hard, so in his honor, here are three fun facts about ska. Fun fact 1. Ska started in the 1950s and actually originated in Jamaica. It was a predecessor to reggae within the country, and the style made its way to New Orleans where it was adopted by blues musicians. Two-tone ska, the more contemporary version of the art form, was developed in England in the 1970s. Finally, fun fact three. Ska has always been a bit underground. It doesn't get much radio airtime, except for here on the Saturday Show. Fun fact number three is that Alex Lundberg is single-handedly keeping ska music relevant on terrestrial radio. What can we say? The man loves ska. Scott defines who I am as a person, and I will never turn my back on Scott. Well, Hi guys, we like ska music in the Bengals. What's up? Hey guys, I like ska. So, Lundy, when you were gone last week in L.A., as it mentions in that open, we played that last week, and I was dying laughing. <laughs> That's amazing. It was well done. Eric, yeah. well done on that. And you did your research. You yeah. did your research. You know, you, you accurately depicted first and second wave ska. Um, you know, the music playing there less than Jake. That's more third wave ska, which was popular in the U.S. in the 90s, mid-90s. Probably I was going to say, less than Jake is kind of my era of ska right oh, there. Wikipedia yeah, does wonders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, less than Jake. They're actually going to be here in Salt Lake September 15th with Newfound Glory on the uh, Pop Punk Still Not Dead tour. Pop um, Punk Still Not Dead. I like it. So yeah, um, I've seen less than Jake a number of times, and they are fantastic. Hey, I love seeing them live. Here's my question just about less than Jake. They don't seem to be true Scott in the purest form. Does that make sense? They think they cross over a little bit, don't they? Yeah, they they have had kind of you know sometimes where they veered a little bit more towards pop punk yeah. but they they still i think fit the mold for third wave sky especially oh, yeah. you know they're like you know they had a, an album come out at the end of 2020 mm-hmm. silver linings that was very true to their ska roots okay. um so they did sort of start to kind of depart a little bit um you know there were a handful of songs on anthem that weren't you know really ska punk yeah. they were more pop punk um same thing with uh in with the out crowd so that album you know which when it came out i didn't love and it has aged really well that's one of my favorites of theirs okay but yeah so excellently done eric you know yeah yeah i was down there enjoy- enjoying a good ska punk show in uh you know some good orange county ska bite as- me bambi was the the, the headliner okay. as i mentioned last week i had no idea that ska started in jamaica of all places mm-hmm. so yeah and it you know, I mean, reggae came from it, which yeah. you can hear that influence yeah, it does. in there. So. so good stuff all the same by Eric. Uh, obviously, each week on the Saturday show, if you don't stay for the final segment, you're not sure what you're going to get, honestly. And Eric says he's got stuff stored up. He, he's apparently just been plotting stuff for a, for a while now. Yeah, it's. I, I'm, I'm a little bit scared about, you know, like just every week it's like, oh, you know, what's he? where's he going with this? What did I say this week that he's going to use against me? Yeah, Eric's got... Like, you know, he's got more blackmail on me than probably <laughs> anybody else in the world. Well, there you go. So good times all the way around. Uh, by the way, wanted to give a shout-out 
to the Bountiful Rotary Club. It's been an absolute blast to be out here at, is it Bountiful North Park? Is that what they're calling it? Fourth North Park? I don't know. It's right next to Bountiful Junior High School. It's a Coats for Kids car show. Uh, some absolutely incredible vehicles. We're talking like stuff from, it feels like the early, early days of vehicles to modern day. We've got a bunch of Shelby Cobras sitting just right across from us. We've got VW buses we mentioned a couple times in today's show. I've seen some trucks down there. We had, it looked like, I don't know what type of car that was that pulled up and kind of wheeled around here, but that one from probably the early 1900s. So some absolutely incredible vehicles. If you are looking to do something this afternoon, come by, support what they got going on here. As I said, it, it goes to kids. They're trying to get coats for kids for the upcoming winter, obviously, and we who lives here in Utah knows how cold these winters can get. Yeah, it's it's a great cause. So, you know, I mean, we're we're wrapping up here, but this event is definitely not wrapping up. So yeah. get up here, just kind of, you know, take a, a trip through time as you walk through the different car displays and things like that. Get some food, make yep. some donations. Uh, I'm about to go, you know, talk to people about their dogs because I've seen, a, you know, that number has been increasing. Yeah, so it's just an absolute blast we're having here, having a lot of fun. So, yeah, like Alex mentioned, get over here, support, have some fun, check everything out that they got going on. But we will, of course, be back next week. In the meantime, uh, make sure to join DJ and PK, Hans and Scotty, and the big show throughout the week for everything going on. Sounds like we could have quarterback decisions made by both Utah and BYU by midweek next week. I think Utah probably will actually reveal theirs. I don't expect BYU to reveal theirs at all. But coming up next is be the Movie Zone with Johnny Lightfoot and Austin Horton. They'll be talking all things movies this week and anything. I, well, okay, Johnny, hop on here for just a second. I want to ask you a question about this. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you guys had Larry Tassoni on this week. Is that right? We have Larry Tassoni, Megaplex film buyer. Yeah. He buys all of them and places all the films in all the Megaplexes across Utah. Yeah. Great guy. He's a great dude. He's always a fun interviewer. So anything we need to look forward to on the upcoming edition of There the is a movie coming up or coming out called Coda. Okay. It's yeah. uh, Children of Deaf Adults. And uh, it's it won a bunch of awards up at the Sundance Film Festival, including the Grand Jury Prize, Best Director, a bunch of stuff. It's a limited engagement at the Megaplexes. So definitely get out and see this movie. I think it's going to be up for more awards at award time coming up in uh, January. All right, so check that out. It's coming up next. Thanks again for all of you for joining us here on The Saturday Show. We'll be back next week. This has been Alex and Jake on The Saturday Show on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and The Zone Sports Network. See you.